Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. be honest if you're listening to what is episode 358 of this podcast you've probably been with us for a while and I, we appreciate you for that a great deal um but the the reason i i point that out is to say that that means that you remember a time when arguably the format of this show was every week Pierce proposes a rule to be imposed upon society and um, generally mostly I would uh, argue back against it uh, sometimes because I thought there were legitimate issues with the rules and often just to kind of be contrarian Uh, but somebody has come for your your throne, Pierce. I mean, I just I think part of what has happened is that there was in those intervening years over 357 now entering 358 episodes, um there there was a point where uh I think as Jamel Bowie uh succinctly stated a few years ago, right about 3 years ago now, um when when faced with the the prospect of living in in a society a lot of people in the united states said no so i think that having rules and suggestions and tips to live by is very nice so in that way i am lauding uh new york magazine for making this a cover story i say that and recognize that the reason you have these rules is so that people can argue with with you this is the take economy and now we're putting it into word and making them in not just well i i think that that broccoli cheddar soup is the best soup ever i don't actually feel that way it's just like instead of making this take you are saying no broccoli cheddar soup is the best here's my list and and you know because it's new york magazine it's it's not just a listicle it's like oh this is high-minded uh snobby east coast stuff um but I don't know. I think that this is fun and it's worth talking about. And when something becomes a rule, it's like, oh, let's have a dialogue, not let's yell at each other on first take about, you know, Stephen A, the Cowboys, the Cowboys don't actually suck type of stuff. It's very cute that you think that that's how people respond to the imposition of rules with reasoned debate. I live very close to the state of Florida, closer than still hundreds yeah, of miles away. What but I'm saying is you should know better. Yes. I, I I I am aware that that people are going to be up in arms. And and we come to this, I should say, none of us have seen all the rules that Newark magazine wrote. We are True. getting it through cockkeydor.org, um, Jason Kotke's uh blog of some of the rules and his reactions, but we do have, I don't know, some some pretty cool ones that we that we read. I say pretty cool, but they they are rules um you know max you are the only one of us who has has left the east coast 
Um, so I am interested in your initial reaction to once again uh, the the New York elites um, ascribing rules onto the entire nation. And do you have some any hesitations about welcoming whatever they've written into your your arms in in mind space? Well, I don't know if I'm the only one that's left the East Coast, but I guess I'm the only one that currently doesn't yeah. live near there. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to hearing them. I definitely think that there's rules that don't apply to every type of person or place or thing. So, you know, like, I'm sure that there's, like, driving rules that apply in New York City that don't apply in rural Oregon and the other way around. Um, I don't know. I'm always hesitant to... I, I'm curious if there's anything about airplane flying. I, I This is... For some reason, I'm, my mind jumps right to, uh, I've seen a lot of articles that are like the rules of flying as if like people don't fly very often. So they need someone to like tell them how to do it. And they always mention like never recline your seat. And then mm-hmm. so I just get mad at that because <laughs> that's like, I, I, it doesn't make any sense. I get mad at that because no one listens to that rule, which is a very good rule. That's oh, a terrible rule. Well, it needs what? to be an everyone or no one thing. Correct. It's like standing up at a sporting event. Well, in 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 Kevin, you know, standing up at the sporting event, I I feel like is this this rule in well, in in certain situations you just know not to do it. There is this this known thing, and I think what part of the impetus behind this this rule set, if you will, is that I don't know what the, like, I don't know, Emily Post or something. What do you point to as, like, these are the societal rules. These are the, the mores of, of really just day-to-day life. It's, it's, it's how you conduct yourself in a society. I, I don't know of an example of, like, that um, in, I don't know, in my memory. I don't, I don't know where the way we do things comes from. And so, like, whether or not this is ultimately a good list or not, it's like, all right, we need a modern one, and we haven't, we haven't, we haven't updated the version in many, many years. Well, and the the presumption, the presumption inherent in, you know, something like Emily Post is that we all live in one society, and that's just like, regardless of your thoughts on on how things have sort of specifically fractured in the last couple of years, you know, it's pretty, I don't know. It's pretty unimpeachably true that, um, what we think of as one society is actually like several dozen or a hundred different smaller ones like not even it's not even 50 state level societies it's all sorts of different things that are are sort of split apart by class and race and income and educational attainment and all these different things and so like there is there is certainly a a certain laughability to you know the the people of new york magazine publicizing a, a list of rules for modern society uh, and and maybe not making it quite so explicit that like obviously this is a, a rule set that applies primarily to the type of people that read New York magazine 
Yeah, I I think that's true. And and some of the rules we looked at, and we'll get into those for sure. But are um, some of them just by way of uh, examples and, and maybe discussing them a bit. I I think that there is a good mix of um, rules that apply to everyone and rules that that maybe don't apply to everyone. As an example, um, we before this started. There is rule number 59 that they gave. The correct number of slices of pizza to order for a group of X people is 2X plus X divided by 3. So the specifics of that and doing the math I think is not as important as, you know what, this is a rule that that can apply to everybody and is like very thoughtful and serves a purpose. You can you can quibble a little bit with, oh, you know, actually it's it's two pizzas for every three people, which it, this almost sort of is that. Um, but I, I think that's an example of like, hey, yeah, in a modern society, everybody can order pizza. And this is a thoughtful rule. And it's like, oh, yeah, I read that in the rule book. And it says this is how we do it. That is a good rule. I would like to point out that those two are are actually not close to each other at, at all. If you assume eight slices per pizza, which is a pretty standard number let's uh, so for a group of six people 2x plus x over three gives you 14 slices of pizza which is just under two pizzas for a group of six people does that sound insane to you because that sounds fucking insane to me <laughs> they they do caveat that this oh, is so for it's, classic it's, it's only not style insane pizza which are much larger are oh it's classic new york style pizza New York style pizza where the pizzas <laughs> are the size of, I don't know, uh, what, what is a giant? No, they're larger. <laughs> yeah, but, but, and, and so, I mean, they do caveat is that, but I mean, that's a six, that's usually a 16 inch pizza, 14 or 16 inch pizza, which you can, I, I don't know what under, pizza sizes are. Under the, the two pizzas per three people rule, which I propose as an alternative because no one has ever been mad about extra pizza ever uh that group of six people would in fact order four pizzas and that's everybody probably gets to go home with some leftovers and that's great my my point my point though was that like this being written down somewhere this is a rule that you can okay i could enhance a little bit but that is probably a good rule you know in the 1950s not everybody probably the last time we 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 uh did this is like this is the rules um not everybody could get delivery pizza. I actually don't even know when that started. Probably the 80s, probably Domino's or someone like that mm-hmm. started delivery pizza. Um, right, but that's and- also a really good one to just highlight the uh, New York-centric thing, the idea that you're, start, you're measuring from the slice and, you know, it's a New York-style pizza, so. Yeah, and, and I, so, and with the New York-centric part, Kevin, there is also a another rule that is in there and I think it is a good rule, but if you'll allow me, I will read it slightly differently than it is written. I will I will replace one word. If you bring up a belief system and it isn't met enthusiastically, change the topic. Not everyone believes in your made-up belief system bullshit. Um, the word I'm replacing is astrology and star, but... When we were reading that, um, and, and the response to it was like, okay, you could replace astrology with religion. I think that even though we live in a society where there is a lot of evangelism, not just for religion, but like 
things that people hold really dear, but not necessarily everybody else does. A lot of times tension comes out of those conversations. And I think it is on the person sharing to recognize, to read the room. And I don't know, I think often we're like, oh yeah, you know, share, share, share. But I, I think that that leads to very difficult situations. So I appreciate this rule, which is like avoiding social awkwardness of bring up things that while they might matter to you, it's not even like I'm against that. It's like, I do not want to talk about that at all. Not only am I in favor of that, I would like to propose uh, a, an expansive corollary that uh, that recognizes that uh, certain people treat things like capitalism as a belief system, not merely yes. an economic model. And as such, uh, read the room if you are going to just start um, unprompted talking about your job. Yeah. And, and it, 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 uh, by the same by the same measure, if if you are a Marxist and you bring up Marxism in mixed company and you make people uncomfortable, like, just don't just don't talk about it. You can we can. I think that what is nice is the this rule. What you're saying is like, OK, you understand social behavior and you can read. This is for adults. You can read other people's emotions and like. If you're in a social situation, you're there to have a social engagement and not not be that guy uh, yeah. as, as yeah. we've highlighted before. Well, don't don't be that guy is, uh, as we know, the the one true societal rule. And so we'll, yes. we'll instead we'll shorthand this one as the uh, Democratic Socialists of America meetings are always labeled as such corollary. Yeah. And and I feel like belief system is fair there because it's like this is this is a topic with no answer. It's, those those <laughs> sure. are like okay, you can you can have a discussion about broccoli cheddar soup, but like broccoli cheddar soup is not a belief system. Like you can tell someone they're stupid for liking broccoli cheddar soup. That's not a nice thing to do, but it's not going to be offensive in the same way of being like, hey, I think astrology is for losers. Well the person who believes that is now like really offended and like, just don't have the conversation you were going to say, Kevin. Well, I was going to say with astrology, it doesn't really work here, but with some things like enthusiasm can be like an enthusiasm to debate. So, you know, you have to, like, it's, you know, kind of read the room. Like, do they, would they like enjoy having a political debate with you? And would you enjoy that? And like, that would be something that like could lead to you know, something you both enjoy or like, you know, are you guys going to hate each other's guts and like ruin the party? <laughs> well, when, when rules are made for something like this and you know, Max, I, I didn't, I picked you out as someone who's moved away from the East coast of things, but the same could probably apply to me living in Atlanta, the way people interact and what they talk about, I, I think is, I think is very different as, as I like to say, I used to live in the, the DC area. My local news was national news. Uh, New York City's local news is national news. I live somewhere now where those are kind of detached. So I'm curious, you know, to Kevin's point, hey, maybe people want to have these discussions even if they disagree. I kind of feel like maybe these rules are made for people where local and national news are mixed, where maybe you're expected to be fluent and that type of thing. With with these with these rules, I I'm less fluent now in national news than I used to be. I think because of where I live. Does is that something that you you maybe noticed too on the West Coast? And 
you know, in a place in the West Coast that is not a major metropolitan area? Uh, I, I mean, to answer your question, like, I think yes, but I also think that we should have a rule that nobody should be expected to be fluent with national news. I think that, like, for a while, there was an unhealthy obsession. Maybe this, again, this is maybe associated with where I was living, but there was an obsession with, you know, breaking news and news and what's happening, and and people needed a reprieve from that. And I don't know. I don't. I don't think there should be an expectation that you know people don't necessarily know, you know, what happened yesterday in national news or, or international news or things like that. I mean, this the steady the steady and continuing death of local news suggests that this is a problem on at least some level everywhere. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I had a train of thought that I lost. Um, I mean, I would just it? say that, that there's a, and Kevin might remember this when I used to listen to the, the Tony Kornheiser podcast, there's a refrain he would have. And it was about how, when, um, Gaddafi, the Libyan dictator, is that is that right? Um, yes. When he died, um, like or when he when he was killed, uh, Michael Wilbon came into the part of the interruption set later in the day, and and Gaddafi had been killed like in the morning, and he was like, someone said something to him. He's like, oh, Gaddafi's dead, and, and he like just didn't know, and like that was the joke that oh he didn't know for six hours. It's like to Max, your point is like you don't like it's. That does not impact. Now, the Arab Spring was was a really big deal, and it was it was a big deal in that context. But like, if something does not impact your life, like the you know stuff Eric Adams is doing in New York City really does not affect you, Max. He is the mayor of New York City. You are not expected to be fluent in that. I think that's fair. So I would maybe put in a slight plug for uh, it would be it would probably be good for people to be less obsessed with national news and slightly more fluent with international news. Um, mm. I think it's probably a generally good thing for people to have a broader conception of the world. Um, yeah. Just because your local news is the thing that is most important to you on a day-to-day -day basis, a thing I truly believe in my bones, uh, does not mean that it's not good to remember that there are other other folks out there uh, some sometimes because they are dealing with similar problems and sometimes because they're dealing with very different problems that may become your problems soon who knows creeping authoritarianism and whatnot yeah i think that it's it kind of goes in the same bucket as the um you know uh waste that we were talking about a couple episodes ago like how much is your responsibility or whatever it's like if you start playing that argument then you can like quickly reduce it to like well if, you know what's the line of what is what is important or like what are you gonna do since you know the news so much more than i do like are you gonna then be a better citizen like maybe but i i just i think that it it's you know it's it's, it's a pretty personal thing and I think timing has a lot to do with it, too. It's also an expectation, you know. I think there's an expectation in some places that, like, not only does someone you're talking to know what happened, but they know what happened an hour ago. And yeah. if you're talking about something a week or two ago, there, I think there's a big distinction there. Because I think it could be healthy to check up on national and international news weekly or so. 
mm-hmm. but or whatever cadence you want. But I don't think there should be an expectation that someone is up, you know, up to the minute getting notifications yeah. on their phone about things that are not happening within, I don't know, hundreds or even thousands of miles. Right, well, I think that like the uh, like the Ukraine war is an example where it's like when it first started, it was like everyone needed to know what was happening every hour. It's like, well, guess what? It's still going on, but people kind of only check in on it once a week or so. And and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it reminds me of so that thematically in the uh kind of the the signal as opposed to the noise i think is is really important and i i'm thinking about that in the context of the really horrible earthquake in the syria turkey area um right now there there are a lot of things to to be aware of in that it's like how how you know turkey as is trying to become a, a a bit of a a global or more of a global power and be a player in europe you know w- what does their infrastructure look like and a lot of questions about their leader and everything else those themes are really important to know about syria in the mid well during there's a ceasefire and there's civil war but coming out on the other side of that really horrible you know what is actually going on in the nation how is how am I getting updates on it from places like the Washington Post? Every six hours, it's like the death toll has has reached over X number, has reached over this number. That is really like a gross horse race thing. And I despise that. It's like, no, that is not an issue. That is not news. What is news is like, how do we stop this trapping again? How are these countries responding? Telling me how many people have died is just gross. And I feel like that's what a lot of this reporting turns into in the first first notable thing. And I dislike that. I, you know, I'm not the news person here. I don't I don't I don't a hundred percent disagree. I, I and I think the like the frequent updates on death tolls and those sort of things. Like that I do think is a problem, but it's I I don't think it's irrelevant to know you know, on uh, whether it's like we do one update a day, like the every yeah. time we publish a story about, you know, what's happening, you know, there'll be an update on the, the death toll or whatever. But like, I don't know. I think I do think some of that information is useful. The problem is that the delivery system for that is if you want that kind of news, you have to be subscribed to one of these bodies, whether it's something like, whether it's the New York Times or Washington Post, or it's something like CNN, who's, uh, who are inherently going to then bombard you via social media, email newsletters, or push notifications on your mobile device with like a hundred bubbles a day of stuff that you could not possibly care less about. Yeah. And um, if, you know, with that idea of, I think to transition somewhat clumsily, but, you know, related, I think one thing that we all responded to is we, we and this is, this is where I think this is a very modern rule, but it does not necessarily apply to everyone, truth be told. Um, which is we live in an age of like we get so many different messages all the time and the 94th rule that that new york magazine has is it's okay to email text or dm anyone at any hour 
There's nothing worse than being woken up at 2.30 a.m. with a dumb text or a Slack notification. So why did you do that to yourself? Phones and computers have great tools now to manage your time away, including setting working hours and muting types of notifications. We're responsible for which flashing lights and noises we let into our lives. Because of that, anyone should feel free to text a friend or message a coworker at any hour. We can't successfully move into the future unless we recognize that the onus is on the receiver, not the sender. Now, Max, uh, you, as again, live three time zones away from us. You also work in an environment where Slack messaging is, uh, is the way you all communicate. And I think that you have, in a lot of ways, you have the the most robust understanding of of kind of how this works and some of the limitations and struggles with it. Yeah, I mean, in general, I think that's a pretty pretty good rule to to push people towards. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely gets a little hairier in a work setting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Sean pointed out like. I think I agree with the rule in a work setting. And and for me, like I will send work messages at hours that I know are pretty late for the receiver. But I think that you also have to manage expectations. And just in case it wasn't clear, I have explicitly managed expectations with anyone that I would send messages to that like Slack is called Slack because of just that. I think some people have like these expectations that someone is going to respond to a Slack in a matter of minutes or something like an instant message it's like well no mm-hmm. it's called slack like you get to it when you can which might be a day like that that has to be acceptable and if that's not acceptable then then there's a problem with the workplace uh, i think yeah but i don't think there's a problem with the rule um i do take advantage of a do not disturb on my phone so when you all send messages at eight in the morning eastern i'm not awoken at at 5 a.m uh or like in the case of me and kevin six <laughs> 6 uh, a.m. 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm probably not awake then either. No, I would Max imagine. Max in our basketball chat, so he didn't get the messages this morning. Oh, oh that's right. Good point. Uh, yeah, I came out when we were sort of talking about this before we hit record. I came out the box pretty hard on like, no one should be sending work communication late at night. And like, I. I I believe that if not wholeheartedly, I then fairly strongly, but like, what if your you coworker know. like lives in China though? Or you're saying, well, so, I, I, and, I, this <laughs> right. That I, I am, I am aware that there are considerations that I am not pricing into that. Like I, I'm not, I'm not saying people, I, I, what I mean is what I mean more is that like, you should not be working crazy late hours for like for your benefit you should not be working at whatever is midnight for you so in in sean i think that what you're saying if i would if i would say it slightly differently it's you should not feel like you're expected to work more than quote-unquote normal hours if 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 where you work has said and everybody has has agreed um the, the the common good is like we will work 10 hours in a day don't be don't be sending messages in your 11th or 12th hour i i hope that you know expectations are more like eight but like if someone you know to to max's point and your point like i i have friends who have kids now and like 
yeah, sometimes they're doing work at 11 p.m. because that's when they get an hour and they happen to be awake at that time. But you just you have to manage expectations, which is those are my hours. I'm working eight hours. I recognize that other people are also working eight hours. They may not over overlap, but I don't think it should t- stop you from sending your message. But Max, go ahead. I, I do think there might be a caveat to this rule, though, Please. which is that while I'm totally OK with one on one messages or maybe one to two people. Um, sending messages to large teams at late hours, I think is actually is a problem because mm. then there's this like, oh, who is, who is responding? Like it's performative. Who is on Slack? Totally. Exactly. It becomes a bit more yeah. like, oh, like boss sent a message at 11 PM and only these three people out of 15 responded. Like that's not, I, I, I well, would not do that, yeah. but I'll say yeah, one other, one's like, Hey, one, like, when you get to this, can you check this out for me or something? Yeah. Or like a question to the group, like, Hey, has anyone like tried this or whatever? Um, the, like the 9 PM, that, that one, that one. Well, really and that's one yeah. where, where think about it, send an email in the morning. I mean, especially with, right. I think a work thing like that, think about it. Whereas if we re- we're talking about this in work context, if you think about this in a friend's type of context, yeah, I think you should send them a message when you think of them. And, you know, hopefully it's not a dire need. But as I mentioned, I have two, two friends of mine, just uh, their family just had their first child. Um, and so I'll send them messages messages at a fairly normal time and they will have do not disturb on. And they know it is in relation to that. I have a very good friend who now lives in Japan. Uh, they are 14 hours ahead of me. And so I was like, oh, I can't send a message right now because they're not awake. This reminds me, no, just send it. I'm thinking of them. They'll respond when they can. It is okay trying to match up your schedules all the time. That puts a lot of onus on you, which is kind of the point of it. Be a good friend when you're thinking of your friends. Yes. Except for phone calls. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't call anyone ever. We know this. And and that is really where I come down on this is like, I, I agree with the spirit of the rule, but the letter of the rule is that the responsibility is 100% on the receiver. And that's not the case. It just isn't. You have to be considerate of the people that you are sending communication to as well. But that communicate, that consideration does not automatically mean I am not allowed to text Pierce because it is 1am. Like we were both up watching LeBron break the scoring record. If there were a hard and fast societal rule against texting people after 10 PM, um, we would not have been able to talk about that until this morning. Yeah. And and the 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 reactions in the moment I think were, you know, kind of the most important. Like afterwards, you know, having yeah. great global thoughts. Those aren't those aren't fun when it's a live event. But um if I may, I think I think we can we can very quickly do one more because yeah, great. I think this is this is a rule. So we've talked about you know, some of them are pretty good general rules. Some of them are, are social situations trying to make them better. This one that we just went over, I think is like, again, a lot, these seem very thoughtful in like, how do we interact socially better? This is one of those don't be that guy rules. And I think it is a very modern one. I will read rule number 50. If your burger is becoming a salad, your restaurant order modifications have gone too far. You're allowed to ask for things based on allergies and preferences, but when your dish transforms into another dish, you're a problem. So that's the rule. Um, 
this makes sense to me. I think a lot of people are going to be pissed off about the idea that they must, they must follow the menu. Quit telling me how to order my fucking food. <laughs> well, I think that that's the... Don't count the... my money. Don't you, a distant, non-participating third party, tell me how I can or cannot order my sandwich. Under no circumstances. Stop it. This well, is a it's bad where, It's where it's transforming into another dish, I guess, is where it's... Who, who, const- who determines that? Um, who determines the these rules to begin it. with? That's I, the... Some menu says no substitutions, and that's okay. And I was yeah. at an Italian restaurant the other day that said, we will not put cheese on any dishes with seafood. <laughs> If a menu's but that's, <laughs> that's the thing. Good for them. <laughs> if a Kosher. menu says no substitutions, you cannot substitute things. This is not a, this is a non-issue there. That's a policy. You the rule right. the rule then becomes follow restaurant policies. But if if you are going to let me get my hamburger as a, a lettuce wrap, I, Dennis at New York Magazine doesn't get to tell me I'm making it a salad. Fuck off, Dennis. <laughs> so, yeah, frequently restaurants have this rule, basically. They say, we cannot do this thing. Sure. And, and, and so this is saying, this is like me with, with half enough pizzas. It's like, I won't do that. I feel like that's, I, I, I don't want to make them do that. This is kind of taking my feeling on that and saying it's a rule for everybody, which is something I've tried to do here. But I, I think I, <laughs> yeah. I, I it's, it's part of that is because it's like, well, it's pizza. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna enjoy it. Like I'm okay. I'll get. I will. I will seed some things to you so that we can all enjoy what I'm sure is a lovely pizza. If it was a pizza I didn't like, I would. That would be a different matter. But I think that this this maybe doesn't need to exist. But I think there is something important here, which is that we do live in an age where people are are really asking a lot of the the service economy um, and saying like. I want this experience to be customized to me. And thinking of that sender-receiver relationship, it's like, who is setting the expectations? And that can be hard. So if this rule is like, be thoughtful in a restaurant about what they can and cannot do, the fact that I ha- we have to say that is sucks. But like, I, underst- I see that. And that's kind of what's in here. I want to point out that uh, who's the the late night host oh uh um uh, james corden so remember a few months ago it came out about uh the the instance of the egg yolk i said egg yolk not egg white egg yolk omelet that his wife wanted from a pretty notable restaurant and ordered it and it had some egg white in it and this is not the first time that this occurred at the restaurant and he went off the handle getting very very angry and said terrible things to the waitstaff. Thing is, is the reaction was not really about someone ordering an egg yolk omelet or whatever it was. It was someone being terrible to waitstaff, trying to do their job as best they could. And so that's that's what's here. It's like, yeah, an egg yolk omelet is very a, a unique a unique thing. I don't want to you know say that, but don't be a jerk is the real thing that we reacted to there yeah i I mean look you if you a customer fly off the handle 
at a service employee, you are in the wrong. I feel pretty confident in that one. Like, obviously, there are isolated exceptions to yeah. that. But, like, you have done things the wrong way. This is your fault now, even if it was not your action that initially sparked the incident. But, like, I, I just... I, the, the specifics of your food order are, are, are not... They are not a thing that should inspire such consternation. If you can't do it, tell me you can't do it. And then everybody's just got to move on with their damn life. Yeah. And then I also think like if you, you can also tell like, did they try to, to follow my instructions or did they not try? And if they, they did try, but they like messed one little thing up, like maybe you can, you know, you don't need to get upset at the way it's everything but if like yeah if you order an egg yolk omelet or whatever and they, like it's clear they did not try then i think that you can push back well, a little bit be like, but there's a difference between pushing one. back and being a dick about it and like oh yeah never never be a dick sure but, if uh, if your burger one. order if your burger order has turned into a salad that means you're probably getting food from a place that is willing to turn your burger into a salad for you in some sense yeah. like that's not the first time. That's not like a first time order. Yeah, yeah. You can you can still you can still be a jerk at, at boiling, and it has nothing to do with turning your burger well, into a salad because they you, encourage that. If you don't allow substitutions, then you end up with things like the Italian store's menu item. Their one gluten free menu item, which was like sub in a tub, <laughs> and then that just looks silly. Well, they don't have anything in the store to sub, admittedly. <laughs> the place is just covered with, with flour. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a, a, a good place to, to wrap up. So uh, let's, let's move on to Pierce's Sorry. I see what you did there. We were talking about subs, and you said wrap up. Um, oh, yeah, that's, that's I appreciate the credit you were giving me for something I did not intentionally <laughs> do. Um, so this... So usually I apologize for things that um, I have control over, but this is one that I don't, but I'm still very sorry about it. Um, I believe we're still recording on Thursday, February 9th. Um, <clears throat> yesterday, well, I don't know what time it was there, speaking of time zones, but in the last couple of days, um, Camp Cope, uh, the, the, amazing, the amazing, amazing Australian band, um, is, is no more. Um, there have been, they released three albums. Their most recent one came out last year. Their first came out in 2016. This is a band that meant a tremendous amount to me, even though their music wasn't necessarily like for me, I think it was really important for me to listen to it. Um, and I'm just really, I'm, I'm like working through it and I did not expect to be as affected as I was, but, you know, thinking about my relationship and I think a lot of people's relationships to music over the last three years. Um, I, I, I don't know what I think that this band should have been and if they should have been bigger, had a bigger reach, but, um, you know, in a week where we hopefully folks celebrated the longevity and majesty of LeBron James's career and the constant redefining of like what great is, this is a band that was a, just a comet through the sky and it went 
very quickly and very brightly and very righteously in the face of a music industry that sucks and is misogynistic 99% of the time. And they were a middle finger to that. And so I'm sorry that that they did not touch more people. I'm fortunate that they touched me so. Um, and I hope that their future endeavors are great. And I'm just sorry that, um, you know, they won't make more music for, for people because I think there will continue to be audiences that need to hear their music. Okay. I mean, that's, I, as far as I'm concerned, that doubles as a big idea from pop culture. So uh, I didn't really have anything particularly new and exciting this week anyway. So let's let's go straight to trivia. Max, what Fair what's enough. up this week? Yeah, so today we've got a question about geography. Oh. Um, I've got a backup question about a, a fun little tidbit bonus question as well. Um, but we're going to talk about geography today. Uh, specifically, U.S. geography. Uh, this question is not multiple choice, but I can make it multiple choice. But I, I think some of you may know it anyway. Um, how many U.S. states does the Mississippi River either run through or border. So how many how many US states does the Mississippi River effectively touch? Um I, I you know, Sean, you you grew up on the Mississippi River? This is it shows my uh, middle yes. of the country geography. Yes. I, effectively. Um incredible Pierce, to call Pierce, Louisiana the middle of the country. Near it. Huh? I said incredible to call Louisiana the middle of the country. Also, Pierce grew up well, nowhere near it. I I visited it. Like, sure, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, Should we do closest gets it, or what do you think? Uh, well, we'll see, see if, if anyone gets it right. Anyone gets it right, I suppose. Uh, I I have I have an answer. I have an answer. I, I I could give multiple choice, but they'd be. I mean. They'd I'm sure everyone close. is within like five states. I would like to go last. Sean reacted confidently. Well, they 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 wrap you across your knuckles with a ruler in Louisiana if you don't know this in school. That's just because you went to Catholic school. That has nothing to do with. I Louisiana. did not. They uh, they don't do that in Massachusetts. But anyway, so uh, how many United States states does the Mississippi River? Uh, run through or along the border of uh, Kevin. Twelve. My guess is and also Pierce. twelve. I believe the correct answer is ten. That is the correct answer. The correct answer is ten. Would you like Damn. to know what they are? Congratulations, Sean. Uh, I do. I'll have a follow up for you, Sean. Okay. You might know this one. Uh, what two U.S. capitals? sit along the Mississippi River. Oh, shit. Uh... Wait, is this an actual bonus, or is this No, just... I mean, just asking, because oh. Sean, Sean knew that. Well, one, one is definitely Baton Rouge. Um, that is correct. I'm trying to think of where in Mississippi it runs. I don't think it's, not, it's, it's, it's not, not Jackson. It's, is it Jefferson S- City? Saint... No, really? It's Jefferson City, Missouri? No, 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 no. You were saying something It's St. Paul. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, St. Paul. So Minnesota and Minnesota. Louisiana. Yeah, I did not learn this from being a Louisiana school child. It was a question at a trivia I went to like a month ago. 
I start. Well, 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 afterwards, I'll check with you, Max, on what the what the ten states are. But I think I wrote them all down, and then was like, "It's there's got to be more." There's got to be some I can't think of. Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, Iowa, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and I forgot whether the tenth is Illinois or Indiana. I think it's Illinois. I think it is Illinois too. Yeah. yeah oh, Illinois it has is, to be Illinois. It's got to be Indiana's East. Cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cool. Good question. Huzzah! Um, Dig right. my grave farther down to the ground. <laughs> That is the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web at www.prettyokpod.com or you can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Bye.